The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Welcome to another episode of Leadership Matters, a show that aims to support the leadership development of current and future public and nonprofit leaders. Each episode is designed to inform leaders and inspire solutions. I'm Tom Wall, and I'll be your moderator for our discussion today. I work with the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities and for the Strategic Change Initiative. And together, we work to try to help organizations to transform themselves in the present to help prepare their organizations for a more successful future. Today, we're going to have a discussion about using social enterprises as innovative solutions for transforming communities. Now, that's a very exciting topic. With me today, as a guest panelist, is my good friend, Rihanna Absar. Rihanna, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to our listening audience? Sure, Tom. Thank you. Um, so, yes, I'm Rahana, and I'm the Senior Associate here at the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities, um, and I work particularly close with um, our Center on Leadership, which really um, works to strengthen the capacities um, the, uh, of our leaders so that they are um, better change leaders. Fantastic. Honored to have you with us. With us today also is our special guest, Dominic Bitro. Dominic is the president and CEO of Family Services Association of Moreno Valley, California. Dom assumed his leadership position with Family Service Association in 1985. He's now guided the growth and development of Family Service Association for 30 years. They've been a remarkable 30 years. During that time, Don has established his organization as one of the leading service providers and community builders in America. He's in the process also established himself as one of the leading thinkers in our field. He's brought a lot of exciting ideas and innovation to our field. He's received a lot of awards. He's learned a lot about working with and in communities. We're honored, Dom, to have you with us today. Would you please introduce yourself to our listening audience? Well, thank you very much. Uh, I'm really pleased to be here and to talk about social entrepreneurship and uh, community building. Um, I've been at this for 30 years. Um, I've... uh, I'm a social worker by training with a master's in social work from Fordham University and um, I've always worked in the not-for-profit sector throughout my uh, career and uh, basically uh, I teach a lot. I teach this concept a lot at various universities as well as put it into practice every day 
here at Family Service Association in Riverside and San Bernardino counties in California. Well, it's great to have you. Now, if you don't mind, Dom, I'd like to go back to the beginning. I'd like to start when your adventure with Family Service Association started and ask you where your organization was then and what it was doing when you started. What did you inherit in 1985? Well, it's been a long time, but I remember very vividly uh, 30 years ago um, convincing my wife and family to take an adventure 2,500 miles away to come to California um, in the hopes that uh, I could uh, work on a little different model of how to deliver uh, human services in a community-based setting. When I got here, the agency was very small. It had an annual budget of 280000 had 10 employees, and uh, I was greeted with the news that it might lose its one major contract that it had of 250000 uh, the first week I got here. Uh, I didn't tell my wife that I had moved everybody. 2,500 miles but uh, with that prospect, but I knew that there was potential. I knew the calling of California for entrepreneurs, and, um, you know, even though the agency was focused, as most family service agencies were back then, on clinical counseling services, which was how the family service movement evolved, dating back to the... Uh, early and mid-1900s, I knew that it was poised for a new beginning of sorts, uh, mostly because of the board members I encountered and because of the uh, tremendous growth that I could see was going to happen uh, in this area in terms of uh, the population as well as the needs that went along with that. So you inherited basically a clinically focused organization. What were the first things that you decided that you needed to do to begin to prepare your organization to move in a different direction? Well, the first thing that I did was I changed the phone system. (laughs) That might might seem like a a simple, simplistic uh, uh, issue, but it, it really spoke to what we were going to try to do with this new agency because the clinical model, although it was very good and very useful and FSA at that time was known as the place to go to um, for your counseling needs for children and families, the model we were going to try to build was outwardly driven by the community, by the needs coming into the agency. And the clinical model, much like I was trained in social work and many other practitioners were trained, was very much built on that old medical model that the person found you, came to you if they have a need, you diagnose the problem and help them. And so changing the phone system, I, I put a phone in everybody's room and, and we started contacting the community as well as people contacting us for appointments, and that started to change the whole culture in terms of that we were going to be driven by what was happening outside of the four walls versus what was happening inside of them. Well, whenever you try to change an organization, 
you see opportunities, and then as you try to respond to those opportunities, you find challenges. Can you talk about both of those in those earlier days, Tom? What opportunities did you see, and then what challenges did you face? Right. Well, the opportunities were that the population was growing and changing, that the human service network out here uh, was not as fully developed as what I was used to coming from back east in New York. Mm-hmm. And I could see that there was room to develop uh, responses. I wasn't quite sure yet where the money was going to come from, mm-hmm. but I knew that there were plenty of clients, there were plenty of needs, there was a will to do something and with the board members that were here and the, and the community that was looking for a very viable family service agency. Um, so the challenges were to build the credibility of the organization in a new and different way as, as not just the clinical experts, but the place where you could come to, to solve problems, to look in different ways to address needs. So I had to first look at building the board and get some people on the board who had the expertise and the credibility, quite frankly, in the community because no one knew me. I was coming from back east, and the, and the agency had kind of been like the uh, uh, best-kept secret if you knew about it, and here we were trying to get more outwardly uh, focused and, and build a staff that had this um, community-driven perspective um, and at the same time build in the competencies to be able to successfully compete for contracts, for funding, for, for support. So those were the, uh, the initial challenges which uh, you know, I spent a lot of time t- uh, dealing with in those early years. So where did you find your early success, Dom? What ideas, like, jumped out and said to your community, this is exciting, this is something we want to back? Well, the way I always start any venture is from, I try to start from a position of strength. So the first thing I did was assess what strengths do we have that we could build on. And the clinical counseling was a strength that could take us into other areas. So when I first asked the staff, you know, and the board, well, what do you do here? And the, and the um, feedback was, well, we do high-quality psychotherapeutic intervention with families and, and uh, children. Um, I wanted to get more specific. What could we build on from that basic strength and and credibility position? And so what kind of intervention could we do? We could go into child abuse. We could go into domestic violence. We could build on our expertise working with parenting and couples therapy because my predecessor was the leading couples therapist in the area. And so we started to differentiate. We started to differentiate 
what the skill set was that we had and pursue specialty niches in that area, which got people excited because we were responding to emerging needs and we were starting to develop a portfolio. The mm-hmm. other component to that, which I, which we recognized was because of the population growth that we could also get out of just the city of Riverside and start to establish satellite sites to be more responsive to, to clients and customers where they live. And that developed a niche of sorts for us that we were not just going to be some... There are great distances out here. Riverside and San Bernardino County are the two biggest counties geographically in the United States. We cover the 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 acreage of five states back east. Oh, my <laughs> so, gosh. You know, so the the idea of going to the client was innovative and different in its days when all the services were based just in the city of Riverside. So those were some of the initial things that we we did to try to build that portfolio and that new uh, image of who we were and what we could do. And one last thing before the break, I'd like to ask, what was the first idea that you had that really broke the mold and began to set the stage for a very different future? Uh, I'd have to say it was um, opening up those satellite offices. We opened up a couple of satellite offices in areas that were just emerging and people mm-hmm. previously had not had any human services in their area. And that not only built, started to build us a constituency and a kind of membership that got connected to us, but it also was a, turned out to be a, a smart strategy to access funding as, as the funding sources, government and otherwise, started. It took them a little while to catch up, and so we positioned ourselves early on. And the number one program that really brought this to a head and, and propelled us into this new future was when we took over a child care center that was having problems in one of these um, outlying areas from the city center, and um, it was a new venture. We hadn't done child development before, but we had someone on the board who wanted a family service agency that could go into this area because there there was a lack of providers for quality child development services, and she helped us develop the internal competencies and expertise and helped us get into this center, and that sent the message that not only that we were going to be mobile geographically, but we also were going to start to expand the type of services and supports we could provide and would provide to families and children. Outstanding. Hold that thought, Dom. Great place to take a break. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. Stay with us. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. 
Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact Innovisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. If you're interested in gaining strategies to be more successful both at work and your personal life, check out Turn the Page with host Hemda Mizrahi. It's all about building new habits and perspectives. The show helps you identify the changes you need to make that align with your values and priorities, and then apply these principles to your career, health, social life, and other areas. These are proven techniques that work. Turn the Page airs live Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. I'm Tom Wall, and with me today are our guest panelists, Andre Howard and Rihanna Absar. And our special guest today is Don Bitro, the president and CEO a family service association in Moreno in Marino Valley, California. Before the break, Dom was sharing some thoughts about his beginnings with Family Service Association, and he was talking about the importance of establishing satellite opportunities to establish a presence throughout a rather vast territory that he was responsible for. And the last point before the break was when he talked about how when he looked at establishing child care centers, uh, that really broke the mold and introduced an entirely new uh, opportunity for folks to be able to think about what the Family Service Association really stood for and what they could do for communities. Bob, Dom, when did you begin to see that your vision was really going to center around community building? Well, I actually have the alliance to thank for that because uh, about the time it was the mid-90s, and I don't forget, I can't remember the exact year, but I guess I was about almost 20 years post-graduate from my master's, and I, you know, we were doing some wonderful things and we were making a difference, but I didn't feel like we were empowering people and and giving them ultimately the tools to be self-sufficient and to grow whether we were there or not. And I went to this conference that the Alliance put on in Edmonton, Canada, and there was John McKnight, 
mm-hmm. from Northwestern talking about asset-based community development. Sure. And I came back from that conference just saying, this is it. This is what we need to do. And um, this is how we create a lasting impact and not just Band-Aids or even though it's wonderful work, you know, to help people when they're in need and meet those immediate concerns, to have more of a lasting um, impact. And so we came back from that conference, and I, I trained the entire staff, which, um, you know, might have been about 40, 45 people then in asset-based community development. And then we went out and started pursuing contracts to run community centers for counties and cities and basically bring the ABCD model, which with, with a little tweaking and updating of the old settlement house approach to opening mm-hmm. the doors and let the community in and sure. the programming and responses from there. But that changed, that changed my whole view on uh, how we could start to develop services that were a little more community-involved, community-minded, and uh, community empowerment. <laughs> You've obviously come a long way from the earlier days and, and from the thoughts that you had during that one conference. In our field today, there's a lot of talk about using social enterprises as innovative solutions for transforming communities. And to be honest, there's a lot of people who talk about it, but you've found ways to actually do it. So I wonder if we could just go back to an earlier chapter and ask you, in your opinion, what is social enterprise and how did you come to embrace using social enterprise as a way to help transform a community? Well, social enterprise at its core is uh, the ability to bring business-like methods to do more mission. Mm -hmm. So... In my case, it happened for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, I had always been more community-minded. I had majored in my graduate programming in community organizing and development in addition to uh, direct service provision. So I was kind of there personally in my mind as far as what... Uh, lending itself to a social enterprise model. I was also a little bit of a fish out of water in in social work school because <laughs> I was always more business, you know, kind of directed yeah. and administrative directed. Sure. And so I always wondered, how am I going to bring these two interests together? And so when I came to California, it happened by necessity because especially this area this area had and continues to have one of the lowest per capita giving levels to United Way. Charity in Southern California is a a very difficult thing. Uh, Whatever Mm -hmm. money is given for charitable purposes mostly goes to religious institutions, not to community-based human services, or it goes to universities or health care systems. So by necessity, I, I, the charitable dollars weren't here. And if we wanted to do more mission, we had to evolve a different model, a different way of um, 
going about that. Mm-hmm. The other component to that is I think that the, you know, to your question, is most people think social enterprise is uh, doing that real, innovative, different type of product or service that, that generates revenue. And it is that and can be that. But for me, it's much more a different way of thinking. It's, sure. It, it's, it's a way that you have to reorient yourself so that even in our case, where we are 70% government-funded, government contracts, you got to bring in, we've got 50 different contracts. You've got to be very innovative to, and business-like to be able to manage and develop all of those opportunities to bring funding to meet your mission. Right. Well, you now have community centers, a broad range of senior services, child development centers, mental health clinics, and you have a community housing development organization. That's impressive. Can you talk to our folks about how you pull all that together to help strengthen and transform your community? Well, once again, you operate out of the mindset of the client. What does the customer want and need, and how can you get it to them in a timely fashion? Those are values that I learned in social work school. They're no different than my social work training, but it has always intrigued me that as I go out and listen to all the management gurus, that's the same thing that business gets preached that they need to do to be um, successful. You've got to create customer value. Now, the difference for us in this sector is that we have many customers. We don't have just that consumer who's buying the product that you're putting out in the showcase. We've got the funder. We've got the client who's receiving the service. We've got the board member. We've got the volunteer. We've got the general community. We've got the politicians. We've got a whole host of customers that we have to create value for. But if you begin to see yourself as not the expert, so going back to the clinical model, not once again, I I value everything I learned as a clinician, and I use it in all my relationships. But the clinical model, at least when I was trained in in, in that era, was you're the expert, you provide the diagnosis, you provide the intervention. Well, you flip that on its head, and in social enterprise, you start looking at who is the client, who is the customer, how can I create more value for them, what do I have to do? Um, can I, how much can I trade off on my mission to do that? And so you become more opportunity oriented. You, yes, uh, some might even call me opportunistic and I wear that title happily, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I won't trade off on mission. I will pursue every opportunity out there to extend services to people. And once you open up in that way, and, and you don't get wedded to a particular philosophy or the way you did it 20 years ago, um, 
opportunities arise and you start to serve the whole client. You start to serve, uh, put services together in a continuum and uh, lo and behold, you start to grow your organization's capacity and financial stability and, and everything else. Dom, you know, a lot of organizations have a number of siloed services. They're very distinct, they're very different, and they don't contribute to one another, support one another, or integrate with one another. And I get such a clear sense that you've done some things to pull your services into an integrated array. How have you managed to do that? Well, that that's a good point, Tom, because, yes, most people, you know, we used to have the term about 15 years ago, people were thrown around, you've got to have a one-stop center. got to have mm-hmm. a one. Well, what does one-stop mean? All it meant was you just line up all the silos in the, <laughs> in the, in the one place. I know, yes. But, but they don't relate to one another. So th- this was the constant discussion I had with government, you know, in these community centers is, they didn't have the concept of continuum of service. So, so we try to build, we try to leverage our assets as much as possible. So when we go out, we look for centers where we can build in not just the community center, which is more the settlement house, welcoming everything and anything that's walking mm-hmm. in from the community. And that's why we evolve, our community centers are much different we're in six different communities, and each one of them is different in terms of the services they provide. But then we try to link to that community center a child care center, a senior meals program, a counseling program, so that our view is, yes, we know that the world still operates in terms of silos when it comes to funding, but our job and where the sophistication of being business-like and is to cut across the silos and bring that continuum of service because our mission is to serve the whole family. And the family doesn't know about the funding sources. They know that if their elderly parent has to come to live with them because they have Alzheimer's or they're trying to work because their kid, you know, and their kid needs child care, um, it doesn't distinguish in terms of silos. So it's, I feel it's our job to bring that continuum. And so we look for opportunities. We never, you know, we don't try to do just one thing. We try to build a, a response to families, knowing that families are complex and come with a multitude of, of needs. And um, it has worked out for us. Beautiful, Dom. Hold that thought. We'll be back. We have to take a short break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. 
call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Today, our world is faced with complex challenges that present massive potential risks. Conflict, misunderstanding, misalignment of organizations and their leadership, lost productivity, wasted time, and wasted resources resulting from limiting perspectives, distraction, and hardline positions are damaging our today and our future. The monetary cost of such failures is in the billions. Stop wasting time. Make a shift. Engage with host David B. Savage on Breakthrough to Yes with Collaboration, Thursdays at 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Welcome back. I'm Tom Wall. With me today are our guest panelists, Andre Howard and Rihanna Absar. And our special guest today is Dom Bitro, President and CEO of Family Service Association of Moreno Valley, California. Before the break, Dom was talking about social enterprise, about how he uses social enterprise to help transform communities. And he was reviewing the ways that he's working to integrate his wonderful array of services. Dom, there's a lot of talk in our field today about some of the things that you've been doing for the last seven to ten years. You're considered a leader in the area of social enterprise. When someone talks about social enterprise, they usually say, give Dom a call. You recently received some good news. You recently received a $10 million loan and line of credit to allow you to expand some of your efforts. Could you talk about this, and how did all this come about, and what is it going to afford you the opportunity to do? Yeah, this is uh, probably one of the uh, capstones on my career at this point, and um, it, it pulls in a couple of the things we've been talking about uh, throughout this uh, our time together. Um, so we were looking for a way. Um, we we own six buildings that we provide a lot of these continuum of service programs out of, uh, as well as childcare centers and housing projects. And um, so we were looking for a way of. Um, how could we leverage, because since day one, I have one of our first enterprising strategies was, why does a nonprofit only have to lease their space? Why 
does the nonprofit always think that, well, I'm only going to plan for this next year. You don't do that as an individual. The first thing you do that creates equity for someone is you go out and buy a house, right? So, so we said, you know what, instead of leasing a lot of our space, we're going to go out and buy it. And the contracts that we have and everything else is, is going to be fine with paying for the mortgage as long as it's at or below what you'd be paying for rent, which in every case it has been over all my years. So we bought all this property, and as we were coming through the recession, we were saying, how can we leverage this? Because things were getting cut in California, and, and uh, the funding wasn't as available as it had been. And so we looked at what might be uh, available to us, and fortunately we had people on our board. I have bankers you know, the board has also evolved entrepreneurially. I have bankers, the dean of a school of business, the head of the largest uh, small business loan program in the state, a former uh, community college chancellor, a former DA. I mean, uh, people who who are very business-oriented, understand government. We pull that all together, and we... uh, Having also been a former elected official as a city councilman, I know a little bit about redevelopment and the state and how some of these funding mechanisms work. And we found this program at the state from the State Infrastructure Bank that could loan money at 3% uh, in order to create energy efficiency, water reduction, you know, with all the talk of drought in California and whatnot. And um, at the same time, enable us to remortgage our six, seven, eight percent rate mortgages into a three percent mortgage. And we were able to accomplish that with a ten million dollar issuance uh, that convinced the bank in Southern California to do the loan with the backing of the state. They get a federal tax benefit. We get the benefit of that's going to save us uh, between the the mortgage savings and the um, uh, energy savings about three hundred to three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Wow. Over twenty over twenty five years, you're talking about it almost like a ten million dollar endowment. Absolutely. <laughs> that you're Absolutely. creating, and so this is just uh, a basic entrepreneurial business approach to turning on its head the concept that nonprofits don't have assets, you do. And Mm -hmm. especially if you're more aggressive about how you manage your property and uh, flipping it into an advantage that basically frees up a financial resource for what? We're not going to keep all of that in an endowment. It's going to go into services. Sure. Outstanding. Thanks for sharing that. And Andre, this is uh, and Andre uh, time. Some questions that you might have for Dom. Sure. Yeah, Dom is uh, obviously a trailblazer uh, in the sector, and certainly we're glad to have him in our network as well. Just uh, uh, really understands the concept of, of social enterprise and really connecting that with community and really driving for real impact. But one of, um, I think, one of my favorite uh, 
programs, venues that Dom has come out over recently out with over uh, recently through his program and organization is Mobile Fresh, and I would just love Dom to talk a, a little bit about uh, that particular program and uh, how it's going and, and, and the impact it's had so far in community. Thank you, Andre. Yes, we, um, as I said earlier, you know, part of this is uh, being able to uh, take risks. Hopefully, they're uh, they're kind of calculated risks, but you know, enterprise being enterprising uh, sometimes means being a little out there. So, prior to <laughs> Mobile Fresh, I was known for some of our ventures like cafe for a cause and uh, karaoke for a cause and, you know, anywhere we could generate revenue that could uh, hopefully uh, go back into services uh, out of a, a business type uh, operation was, uh, was always pursued. So uh, about a year and a half ago, we had this idea and basically it came out of uh, the, the real uh, uh, substantive um, source of the idea comes from trying to come up with a response to poverty. California, because of its sheer numbers, leads the country in the amount of kids in poverty. Where we are, we have a 25% child poverty rate, which is one of the highest in California, which means one out of every four kids is um, going to bed hungry at night. As I mentioned earlier, because of our great geographic expanse here, we literally have some uh, underserved, uh, low-income areas that are in food deserts, but also real deserts, where they are Mm -hmm. 10 or 15 miles from the nearest grocery store, and they're forced to buy their milk, their bread, their, their produce, their week-old produce and liquor stores and 7-Eleven stores. And, and so we said, wait a second, you know, how can we put our substantial competencies and strengths because we provide 3,000 meals a day to seniors uh, in home and senior centers, in, ch- in the children in our 10 child care centers, how can we take that substantial buying power and competency and convert it into a program that can reach these families and especially children with good nutritious food in areas that they have difficulty getting access to and also do it at affordable prices? So we went to the local transit agency and said, would you donate a bus to us? They did. We went to Walmart and said, can you donate some money to us? to convert the bus to a mobile grocery store, they did. We got money from CalFresh. We got money from NBC Universal. I, um, we converted the bus. We have produce on it. We make now, we have actually two buses, and we're about to get two more oh my that gosh. we deliver to 40 sites a week, a week. We go out, open up the bus, and... Uh, the seniors, the low-income families are able to shop on the bus for their daily staples. We, we, our, our business model is we try to sell it to them at 75% of what they would pay in a supermarket, and we have to make a 25% margin on it to keep the 
financial sustainability of the project in addition to the grants that we receive. And so we have to hustle to get the food for 50% of, you know, what it might cost. So we have to get donations. We have to get uh, contributions. We have to get write-downs. And so we go to the big providers like Cisco Foods, which has been very supportive. We buy $2 million in product from them a year, but they donate wow. to us. They that's for all our programs, but in return, they donate stuff to us for Mobile Fresh. They give us write-downs. They give us good deals. We have a mobile app being developed because we are in Southern California, so we have uh, donors who want to give us the fruits and vegetables that they're growing in their backyard to go on the bus. We're trying to get into the food recovery networks. We, the Coachella Valley out here is second only to the San Joaquin Valley in terms of the amounts of fruits and vegetables provided for the country. And I've seen statistics that 50% of what's grown is just plowed under because it doesn't look good enough for the supermarket. So we're trying to leverage all of those relationships, connections, assets with our own internal strength to impact poverty, good nutrition, and ultimately um, financial uh, capability of these families and seniors. That's wonderful. Probably want to take a break at this point. Don't leave. We're coming back, and we're going to get advice from Dom for Leaders in the Field. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by Innovisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact Innovisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. (laughs) 
You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Welcome back. I'm Tom Wall. With me are Andre Howard and Rihanna Absar. And our special guest today is Dom Petro, President and CEO of Family Service Association of Moreno Valley, California. And before the break, Dom was talking about his efforts to try to respond to poverty conditions in the communities that he's working by bringing fresh food to people on buses. Another of the innovative ideas that Don is bringing to say, let's not look at how we've always done things. Let's look at what our communities need, and let's try and develop responses to meet those needs. Don, we're at the stage of the program now where we turn to you to offer some advice to the field. Uh, And I want to ask what advice you would offer to other leaders who are thinking about beginning to form partnership relationships and use social enterprise to develop those partnerships within their communities. What do you think they should consider, and what do you think they should avoid? Well, the simple thing is just do it. (laughs) Being innovative (laughs) means doing something. It means uh, solving a problem. And, uh, you know, many of these folks are well-versed in what the issues are that families and others in their communities are, fa- are facing. You've got to get out there and do it. You've got to take some risks, calculated risks, but you've got to solve problems and, and not just chase dollars. Second thing would be uh, be opportunity-oriented. Look for every opportunity in your environment, good and bad, you know, that you can respond to and develop a response to and be an asset for the people. Uh, We are born, nonprofits are born from the community, the altruism in communities to want to do good for one another. Uh, You've got to be responsive to the opportunities in the environment around you. Be resourceful. Don't be constrained by what you think your resources are. That's one of the things that entrepreneurs are really, you know, powerful in. We we don't worry about will we have the money. We go and do it. We go and solve the problem and find the money, find the resources to make it happen. Create value for all your customers, which are many. And finally, be a change agent. I mean, that's, that's a social work term, but it's also used in business. In, in, when we talk about social entrepreneurs, social, social entrepreneurs are just not content to develop that product or service. We want to change the world. That's why Mobile Fresh, at its surface, is providing affordable and accessible food but at the core, as I've described, it's to solve the problem of poverty. Sure. That's outstanding. Rihanna, the question that you might have for Dom at this point. 
Sure. Um, so, Dom, people sometimes see business and um, nonprofit work as kind of separate, which we here on the call know that isn't true. Um, but as an educator, do you feel emerging leaders um, are being taught in a way that will better enable them to create and pursue innovative ideas in social enterprises? And um, what kind of education and experiences do you recommend young leaders expose themselves to? Well, I'm encouraged by the fact that um, I get asked to teach a lot in schools of business, which are looking at, uh, because the new generation, they not only want to be rich and have money, but they mm-hmm. want to have social impact. And so I'm encouraged by the fact that some of these schools like La Sierra University and Notre Dame are, are looking at how can you have social impact using business skills. So I... I I'm encouraged by the new generation of, uh, of and and their learning approaches that they're they're not in silos. They they want to learn a lot of things, and they're open to the social impact. But I think we have to reach them and uh, get them engaged in these issues to show that they can make a difference. That they just don't have to send those ten dollars on the internet and walk away, but they can have a longer-lasting impact. So education-wise, to tell you the truth, the the thing that I worry about is like, because I also teach at schools of social work, and and they're a little slow at embracing these business methods yet into the idea of uh, rendering social services. The other place where I have seen uh, an embracing of this concept is in the schools of public administration that I teach, which are starting to recognize uh, mostly from the government and that government has to operate differently, but uh, I'm encouraged that uh, they also incorporate a course on um, nonprofit management and leadership mm-hmm. that allows me to uh, teach these social enterprise methods, which uh, I find students respond to uh, very well. It makes a lot of sense when they hear it. Hey, um, Don, this is Andre again. Uh, you know, well, all the challenges that our sector are facing and, uh, you know, issues around childhood poverty and just uh, an increase in some of our social problems in terms of uh, uh, education, uh, misconnection, uh, inequity still across the, the nation. Uh, are, are you hopeful? Are you optimistic uh, as you think about all the work that you've done around social enterprise? At the end of the day, are you still optimistic and hopeful for the future? You know, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I think I am. I mean, of course, there are good days and there are bad days when I don't mm-hmm. think we're going to solve much, but not, not really because I, I, I have to say, and that's one of the reasons why I teach so much in addition to uh, – continue my work at family services because I really get encouraged when I, um, I meet with the, the new generation of students and um, their different take on the world, but their, their real interest in seeing social progress. And I also think we have a lot to account for ourselves. You know, those of us that have been around and where a lot of our social service methodology is being challenged, like what difference did you make in Baltimore and what difference did you make 
um, you know, in child abuse and human trafficking. I mean, you know, I think we have to be more assertive, more aggressive, and more innovative about how we are able to address these problems in the modern age. And those of us that are still left to help uh, lead that charge, I believe, have an ob- obligation to, uh, to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, I, I thank you so much, Dom, for agreeing to be with us today. I thank you, Andre Howard and Rihanna Absar, for being panelists on this show. Uh, and thanks to everyone who tuned in today and listened. Until next time, this is Leadership Matters. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Leadership Matters.